It's another episode of the Bobcat Club podcast, and today we're joined by the former Texas State baseball head coach, Ty Harrington, who finished his coaching career at Texas State after 20 years with a record of 657, 516, and two. So, Ty, what happened in those two ties? Do you remember? <laughs> well, I get them because my name's Ty, so they go my way, so I'm not worried about them anymore. But, uh, you know, look, it's, it's great to hear your voice and uh, to give me a, uh, some sort of a part of uh, Texas State and, and, uh, and all the cool and great things that are going on. There. It's great to see you, Carl. It's been a long time. You know, you were actually the first person I met when I came in as a freshman in fall of 2020. So that's approaching a decade ago at this point. That's kind of that's kind of crazy. I was uh, checking into uh, I think I was going through Darren B. Casey building and um, there was some kind of uh, key collection for freshmen moving into dorms. And uh, I believe you and Rick Poulter were walking right on by. And uh, my dad introduced me to you and uh, knew you ever since. So that's a. it's been a long time there. Um, how, how have things been? Uh, what's been going on with you lately? Well, obviously, we're all in you know a different phase of, of time and world that we're none none of us are accustomed to with with all that's going on and with the COVID and everybody's trying to relearn and you know different things and and a pause for lack of a better word at times, I guess. Um, Prior to that, I was uh, really enjoying a new challenge. I'd gone to work, as you ironically mentioned, Darren B. Casey. And uh, D.C., who I work with now, gave me an opportunity uh, to go to work in commercial real estate and raise equity. And it's been an unbelievable challenge and a lot of fun. I've met some of the most incredible people. Um, and trying to take you know different things that I've done as a coach and getting to know people, uh, trust value, a lot of other things that go in when you go in to try to raise equity. Uh, with different groups and different people. And uh, but it's been a great challenge. It's been fun. Uh, it's been exciting. Uh, but definitely over the last month and a half, you know, it's given me a chance to kind of re-back, kind of go back and look at different things in my career that have gone on. And, uh, and it's been fun. And uh, it's been, you know, that part's been fun. This pause has been not any fun, but uh, the rest of it has been. A lot of what you just said went way over my head. I, I'm media tech, and once you get into equity and money, oh my goodness, I, uh, I, I might I might cause some people to uh, to lose their investments on places. Um, it, it definitely is interesting, uh, different uh, direction as to where you were. You were the coach of the 21st century for Texas State. You started in 2000. You went yep. through the three conferences. You had 16 winning seasons, uh, and you had a six a 60 percent winning percentage against conference opponents. So, can we touch on just your path as the Texas State head coach and uh, how the program and the university grew over that time that you were there, from the name change to everything? Yeah, it was really an unbelievable adventure. When you get right down to it, I got there in 2000 and. Um, and at mid-semester, no doubt, in January, and uh, took over a team that uh, had been, you know, fairly successful. Uh, we had a first-rounder on that team, Blake Williams, who was incredible that year. And, uh, we won the conference uh, tournament. We finished second or third, I think, going regular season, but we were really hot at the end of the year. I thought we were playing so good. And uh, went into the tournament, continued, had some heroic things happen in the tournament. Next thing you know, you know, we're in the first round of the regional against Baylor with Blake Williams throwing a nine-inning shutout against Baylor and winning 5 nothing. And so there was 
the beginning of it was was special and fun for me. But again, the ballpark, there were so many things about that needed to improve and change. And uh, over time, you look at where that ballpark is today and you look at where the facilities are today and you look at all the things that have changed. They've grown hand in hand with the university. Um, and, and to watch the momentum of this, that, of this great university, I should say, and all the things that transpired over that 20 years was so exciting and so much fun to be a part of. And, I, and, and to be honest, we had a lot to do with why I stuck around uh, for a long time because I, I truly got to live my life like I wanted to live it. Um, and I got the, an opportunity to coach. I had an opportunity to be around some of the most incredible people in my life and uh, through different players and coaches and, and, and administrators and different people that I met throughout the course of that 20 years. But that momentum of that university and what that did in the, in the athletic part was some of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life to what it is today, which is one of the greatest universities in the great state of Texas. Yeah, no doubt about that. I think we can all agree San Marcos, Texas is one of the best places you can live uh, in the country. Uh, definitely always something to do in the area. I know uh, uh, the Central Texas area has a special place in your heart, having uh, gone to the University of Texas and then coaching here for so long. And uh, I believe you make New Braunfels your, your home uh, these days. So, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful area. And I imagine it was an easy sales pitch if you could get recruits on campus. Yeah, it was never a challenge to get them to come to campus for a visit. Uh, sometimes to get some of the frontline pitchers to, uh, to, to sign on the dotted line was a challenge every once in a while. But even as time went on, we were able to overcome uh, a lot of things that maybe some shortcomings that we had and resources and different things. Because if you look at the history of the great state of Texas and baseball, what that has done in the last 15 years has truly been, I mean, I would, I would put us against any other state in the country when it comes to college baseball, facilities, resources, players, coaches, uh, intensity of, of winning and all those things uh, that are important in having a great program. And, and the great state of Texas was incredible. So when you looked at what we did over the years, and not alluding to the, the original question, but when you go back and you look in there for 20 years, the schedule that we played, and the types of teams that we played and why we did it. One, I felt like um, it, it's the kind of schedule our players wanted to play. I know for me personally, competing against the best was always important because it was a gauge about who you were and where you were. Uh, number two, I thought that our university needed to, to get out of that, you know, we play this team, that team that nobody really knew a whole bunch, you know, about. But what they did know was University of Texas. What they did know was a &M. What they did know was was TCU and Rice and Baylor. And they understood those teams' names and what that meant. So then our fans became where they expected it. And then our season tickets people became where they expected it. You know, we were up to one point, we were up to a little over 1,000 season tickets a year. That's not bad in college baseball, by the way. Um, and so with the facility change, the schedule, um, and then the path through the three conferences, you know, there was a growing pain in there. We were doing so well in Southland. And then we moved to the WAC, which was just really a challenge travel-wise. It really was. That's a whole other story. But nobody's fault. It's just the way things were and I grow. Um, and then to move into the Sun Belt, where they don't mess around in the Sun Belt. You have a national champion in your conference. That rings a different doorbell. That rings, hey, that was the last team standing in Coastal Carolina, and Gary and them did such an incredible job uh, and even captured America, in my opinion, if you were a college baseball fan. And that's in your conference. 
And when you go over there and you play there, you see the resources and you see what they have and the challenge that you were up against uh, in the Sun Belt and how great a baseball conference and how overall a great conference that is. Uh, and so that part of it was exciting for me and fun. And I thought we did a great job over time starting to make ourselves better and better and better. And I thought Stephen Trout did an incredible job of recruiting to that also um, as a recruiting coordinator. And, uh, and then as you saw, it, ironically, this is kind of off the subject, Trouty sent me a text yesterday, and it was a last out, uh, the UTA game. And he goes, one year ago today, Coach, and I was, and, and literally I was driving down the road, and I had a little big tears kind of rolling down my face, and my arms kind of hands started sweating a little bit. And uh, out of pure excitement and out of pure love for that team and what they did, and they gave me a chance coaching-wise my last season and what the, and, and really what that meant and winning a Sun Belt championship. We hadn't won one. And, uh, and so it was important. It was fun. And, and uh, so driving home yesterday made my drive a lot better. It took me down memory lane for a little bit, that's for sure. Yeah, you, you briefly brought up the whack, And I, I was a student broadcaster when we were making that transition. And, man, I, I'm, I got to tell you, I'm really mad that we missed out by a year on a trip to Hawaii. They left right as we came in. And, <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned on all of those little – random things where I think Boise was another school in the WAC that left. So uh, yeah. the WAC didn't last because it was, uh, I think all the football schools uh, eventually ended up leaving, but we landed in a pretty good spot in the Sun Belt. And you've seen a lot of competitive baseball um, between that underrated Sun, uh, Southland conference and the, the very, you know, appropriately rated tough conference in the Sun Belt. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, your time as a coach and now what, what you're doing in real life, but you had a philosophy, not in real life, excuse me. You mentioned. Your, in your, real life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, but you, you meant, you know, you mentioned how you have some uh, coaching similarities between your uh, co uh, days as a coach and now what you're doing, but you always had a philosophy about being in the moment and taking on the moment as they come. And, you know, I've never really asked you because a pregame interview was always kind of a bad time to go into philosophies of life. But where did that being in the moment come from and how does it uh, go with your day to day? Well, look, as a coach and as an athlete or as a person I'm in, in the real world, as you refer to it in real life, or, and it's no probably not any different when things don't go like you want we get so far ahead of ourselves with the negativity and what could happen, what can happen, what might happen. Um, my goal was not, you know, necessarily for me always to live in that moment because as a coach and as a leader, I don't think you can always, I think you have to look ahead, whether it's negative or positive and try to draw against what you're trying to beat or, you know, defend against whatever it might be. But I wanted our players and our staff and everybody else to have that that moment, it's in the moment. Just stay right here. Don't don't get ahead of yourself. Don't you know? Just because you made a mistake, don't get ahead to the next one. Or just because we lost a game on Friday night and we've got to come back and win on Saturday, don't get ahead of yourself. Everybody, catch your breath. Let's go back. Let's start all over again, and let's stay within what we've got in front of us right now. And I think what happens is the more times you get so far ahead of yourself, I know for me personally, it, it does that way. The more I would get ahead of myself the more negative was that became my way and, and I couldn't function as well. And I wasn't able to concentrate and truly focus on what the task was right then, not what was coming next, 
but what was happening right then. And I wanted our players to try to, to, to achieve that. Um, and certainly, you know, over time you get, you know, beat at something or you get, you know, kicked in the jar once in a while about something. You start to learn, you know, more times than not from something that happened negative as opposed to positive, right? You know, we're winning all the time. Everything's great, right? And uh, and so, you know, for me it was, you know, hey, stay right here. Let, let's, let's focus on this right here. Let's don't get ahead of ourselves. Let's just stay right here and do the best we can with this. For sure. And it, almost going into sort of the psychological aspects of baseball, if you're someone who only fails seven out of 10 times at the plate, you're pretty good. So what is maybe the, the coaching style you have to deal with when you know some of your best hitters are dealing with 0 for 3 days and, and certain things like that that go into just sort of philosophy of coaching baseball in a sport that is a little bit different from other sports in those kinds of senses being such a difficult skill sport? Yeah, you know, I mean, you'll hear people say baseball is based on failure um, and how you how you handle it. You know, you, you alluded to it at the get-go about failing seven out of ten times and being a 300 hitter. We would all take those guys in our lineup. But it, it is hard to deal with. And uh, and when you look over at your players in the middle of the game, and they, they want to do good. I mean, it, it's been only a handful of times in my career where I didn't think, you know, guys didn't do the best they could. There were times maybe we didn't play as hard as what we could have. Uh, I agree with that, but I do think the failure part of it is something that is a challenge. I mean, look, I used to tell a story at speeches and, and, and tell people the life of a shortstop or the life of a baseball player. You go that 30-foot walk or 40-foot walk to the, to the home plate, and you go up there with the bases loaded, the crowd screaming, and you got a chance for one crack at a bat to win the game in the bottom of the ninth inning or the eighth inning, whatever it is. If you don't, you strike out swinging, which is part of the game. You come back to the dugout. Your teammates are trying to kind of pick you up. They're disappointed too because they, you know, they thought we were about to win or whatever it is. They hand you your glove and you roll out to shortstop, and basically you got to pat your glove and go, "Here I go," and and that's tough, man. And and and, and the game of sport or baseball in any sport, um, the failure cause of that is it brings out a different emotion in, in people. The competitive people which is why it's been so much fun to watch Jordan and this thing that's going on, you know, on Sunday nights and it's captivated athletics and, and people who love sports, the competitive nature of people, the great ones find a way to get through the, the failure part and keep pushing themselves. If you're going to be a baseball player, you better be able to learn and deal with failure, but learn from it and learn how to make it better the next time around. And also understand that let's say in the bottom of the ninth, you hit a line drive, it goes right to the shortstop. And all of a sudden, you know, you got to go, you know, go again. And so the failure part is something that you work with. What I didn't want our, our staff to do and what I didn't want to do all the time was constantly beat them over the head about their failing. Why did you fail? What, you know, my, our thing became later on. And believe me, Carl, when I tell you, my last two or three years, I was such a better coach than I was early in my career because I've learned over time and I pushed myself back and tried to learn more about the psyche of the kids that were, you know, competing and what that really meant. And competing was the key to all of it. Finding the guys who were willing to compete in practice, finding the guys who were willing to compete in the process, like the process, so that when they got in the game, if they failed, they handled it better because they knew they really put in the time competing. And they also knew that they may get another chance. When that chance came around, the competitive side of them was going to take over. And, and that's what we spent more time with. You know, the last two years in practice was really about competing. We would make them compete against each other and, 
and 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 earn that that edge that you get, you know, with a you know through just putting in the time and the process and 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 earning stripes that if you do fail, man, you can put your right foot forward again. And here we go, I'm ready to go. Kind of shifting gears, uh, little known fact around campus here is that you are actually on head coach Jake Spavitol's staff, as if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> If I'm not mistaken, it is the director of coaching development, That's something right. like that. You even have a locker, apparently. I don't know if you 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 know about this, but you you actually still have some places you can go and just get some work done on campus. I spent a lot of time with Jake. He's been unbelievable, um, you know. And look, I, I wanted to give Coach Trout and and my staff, or his staff, I'm sorry, a chance. I didn't want to be hovering over him all the time. It's just not my style, um, and. Jake was gracious enough that, you know, we struck up a friendship. I got a true love for him. I, he, he is, he is one of my favorite guys and, and, uh, and not discounting coach Trout by any stretch. He knows how I feel about him too. And, uh, but with Jake, it's been fun. Um, I like to make little coaching suggestions at him about life or once in a while, because, uh, man, I've had my teeth, to, my teeth kicked in. And uh, I understand what, what it's like in a, in a program where you're trying to build something and when you're really trying to do something special. And he is. And I'm going to tell you something. You guys, Bobcats, be really, really proud. That guy's going to do an incredible job. I'm, I'm telling you. The, uh, I, I believe in that guy, what he does, how he does it. I've gotten to know his staff through, through my, you know, uh, uh, time with him. And uh, I've gotten to know his staff really well. They're really talented. They're energetic. Um, and they're ready to, to really take on the world. You're going to see, I, I really hope we get college football back. I mean, not just from a fan standpoint, but, you know, for everybody. Um, but for Texas State, man, I, I, I just, it's going to be fun to watch these guys. They've really got it going on. I will tell you that he has that hit factor, just like Stephen Trout has. There's something about people, when you've been in this business as long as I have, and really any business, but when you're around people and you're trying to define success, and there's, there's a lot of different ways to define success and how people do things. There's different avenues to, to different ways of success. These two, these guys have got it, I'm telling you. And uh, they, they do an unbelievable job with their kids, with their players. They know how to motivate them. They know how to inspire them. And uh, anytime Jake has any questions about anything or wants to pop in, don't to get my, my free advice, good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, he's a true friend, and his family's been unbelievable and a lot of fun. And, uh, and Stephen, in the same way with Coach Chai, every once in a while we get a chance to, to talk about different things. But he also is his – I, I think the guy's a, a superstar in his business as well. Well, we appreciate your time, uh, Ty. It's been great. Before I let you go, is there anything you'd like to say to Bobcat Nation watching? Oh, man, I mean, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Um, you know, I, I still see lots of fans out in the community. Uh, man, 20 years of, of watching a, an incredible university grow and a department grow. Uh, I miss every day. I mean, I think about Texas State. I knew that the moment I turned my keys in and went into a new challenge in my life that I was going to miss it. And I do. People ask that. Do you miss it? Oh, Lord, yes. I miss it every day. And I miss the people. I miss Ricky Woodard, uh, who is my, you know, work wife for, for 20 years. And, uh, and I miss people that, you know, around the, the athletic department and, and the different people. But uh, I miss the fans. I truly do. You know, we have built up such a great thing, at, at, you know, with the baseball. And it'll continue. Uh, and there's better days ahead for us as a, as a country. There's better days ahead for us um, at Texas State. And, uh, and I look forward to being a part of it. I'll always be a part of it. 
Um, people can, you don't just walk away of 20 years of your life that you give the most you can give to something and walk away without, you know, having some bond or love for, for it and not truly do with Texas State. Um, I look forward to the day when I get to go to a bowl game with Jake and him. I look forward to the day when uh, I get to go to Omaha and, and, and hold a flag for Texas State and, and Stephen Trout and the Bobcats. And I look forward to a lot of other glorious days uh, of being a fan of Texas State. And I always will be. And I'll always be one that will be pushing the right buttons in a positive way and talking nothing but great things about this great university. For sure. And it, it, we all can't wait to be uh, fans and watch sports again. But we appreciate your time, Ty. And, uh, hey, uh, stay safe and uh, eat them up, cats. You got it, man. Thank you, guys.